When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're for the final time in a little while hibernating in our international snooze break off the back of a mixed game week where Kane blanked but the community salivated over Liverpool's star man. One man who had a good week despite that Kane blank is Nick. So mate, did you meet your fortune teller? Well, Tom, I don't want to give it away just how I picked my team, but I definitely had a week that kept the momentum going, <laughs> apart from obviously the cane blank. So once again, we are here. We are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and online at whogottheassist.com. Follow us and subscribe if you like what you hear. Cool. So on the pod today, we'll recap the game we've just gone before launching into our features section, within which we've got a few developments to update you guys on. We'll finish off with a once again expanded community section with lots of different sorts of themes cropping up uh, this week that we think is, it might be good to discuss during this national break. Excellent, Tom. So how was your game week? Um, yeah, I mean, it was all right, Nick. It was all right. I got a green arrow in the end, uh, but it was a 52, and so it meant that... You know, it was a bit of a damp squib, to be honest. Uh, I didn't want to throw, my, throw away my television, but at the same time, it was something that made me, um, you know, think like there could have been more. I think you're, you're above average. You're on the other side. Always good to be um, to be in the green. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be pleased with with the green arrows, even if it's not as high as you you hoped. Perhaps after yeah. Mo Salah's performance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, missing out on the Elliot clean sheet. I mean, a lot of people have that. Missing out on that in the last minute. I mean, Norton being rubbish. Jones conceding, getting the yellow card. Vardy blanking early on. These are all things that kind of are really annoying. And then Murata, I got rid of him and kept uh, Jesus. Yeah, and then Morata got the eight points, and Jesus got the five. That was quite annoying. punishing. What happened with Newcastle right at the end, um, and Richardson as well. Yeah, because I, I got sixty-two points, so it's just another green arrow for me. It's quite, a, I think, the highest game week rank actually of the season, which is three hundred and seventy-eight k. It's not like an amazingly high game week rank, but you know, I was quite obviously pleased with that. Um, up to one hundred fifty k in the well now, which is pretty decent. Salah was the main man again, but I got points from Ward, Alonso. Uh, Jesus, Morata, eight points, Sterling, Richarlison. So, yeah, a lot of my players returned, which is pretty damn fantastic. So, yeah, pleased with that. Apart from Kane, 
blanking Wembley <laughs> again. You know, I, I don't know why I keep uh, captaining him in the uh, easy fixtures because he's done it at Swansea, Bournemouth, Burnley. Of course, he was going to do it at Crystal Palace at home as well. Like in the long run, I think I win by having Kane, but at the moment, it's just looking like such a confusing place to be. I mean, let, let's start. I think with the early game, I didn't have anyone in this game, the Stoke Leicester game. You had uh, you had Vardy. Yeah, it was a blank for him, unfortunately. And, and you know, he's going to get that that one chance or maybe one or two chances every game. He got one, missed it, a left footer. And there was one point, I think, Mares, he, he, he like if he looked up and seen Vardy, it would have been a goal. But unfortunately, Mares did what he always does and went for it himself. Yeah, that was quite unfortunate. <laughs> and him getting that early blank, it was one of those early kind of dampeners straight away and that kind of set me on negative mood for the game week. Uh, Vardy, I, I'm kind of thinking about him again now. Um, at 8.5 and return every three games... It, is that good enough? I mean, he is a set and forget. Yeah, I mean, he's now had 19 points in the last six games, and I don't think that's that is good enough for the for the price that you've bought him at. I mean, their fixture run it's Man City at home, so it's it's a tough game. But you know, like previous seasons, I think it was last season Leicester had a horrendous season, but there was that really exciting game where they just got Manchester City on the counter attack multiple times and and thrashed them. So. Maybe, maybe they could do a repeat. Maybe, or maybe Pep's learned from his mistakes. I don't know, but you, you could see Jamie Vardy getting them on the counter. Yeah. You know, John Stones being caught off guard. Otamendi suspended for it, isn't he? Yeah, but I mean, that's the um, that's the thing with Vardy. You see any of these games, and you just think, you know what? He could score in that. It's completely different from like Lukaku. Like, if you see Lukaku, you see he's got like a big game up next against the top six team. You think, you know what? Nah, I don't really fancy him. Whereas for Vardy, you see that you know he's got City up next. You see the FDR is five or whatever it is on. FPL and you don't feel anything the problem is with Vardy I mean I had a look, quick look at him earlier on he's actually had less shots overall than Mares has so Mares has had 26 attempts this season Vardy's only had 21 it just seems to us get that one or two shots a game but it's not it's not looking like he's going to be prolific yeah I think between Mares and Vardy Mares is definitely looking like the better FPL asset at the moment and I know a few people that have him that have been uh, celebrating in recent weeks because that's a I think that's um, a, f- a fourth return in a row, so that's a great run of form at the moment. Yeah, it's excellent. I, mean, I, was, I think I was uh, speaking to Tom Campbell at Usley TC on Twitter, and he was saying he brought in the uh, Mares earlier on. Was very happy. I just wonder if, like now, the, the ship has sailed, kind of thing. It's just one of those things where one of those players that crops up that's completely under the radar. Maybe we should have made it into the anti-meta team, actually, Nick. Yeah, um, maybe. I think uh, Zerdan Shakiri probably should be in the anti-meta team as well. Shakiri, Shakiri, he got a goal and assist as well. I mean, you're a big fan. <laughs> of Shakiri last season weren't you you had him and then he got injured <laughs> I think this year he's kind of been shown up a little bit by True Promoting he's been True Promoting's been the Stoke asset to own but Shakiri's now actually outscoring him by a point so you know 0.2 more than Shakiri if you're looking for a, a differential within the Stoke team perhaps he is an option yeah and Stoke have got decent fixtures coming up haven't they and we've got Brighton Palace and Liverpool uh, Swansea and then, and then Spurs so three of the next five are actually quite decent and Chupé Moting was fielded as the striker in the beginning wasn't he Before yeah he's, he is, he's out of position so he does offer that he's been playing up front a lot but he hasn't been scoring as much as perhaps managers would hope. But he has pick, been picking up a few assists in the last few game weeks, so that's that's pretty decent at least. Right, so on Saturday at 3 o'clock, I mean, 
This is going to be quite a short section, isn't it, Nick? So you had four games, and they're all very boring. Huddersfield, West Brom, Newcastle, Bournemouth, Southampton, Burnley, and Swansea, Brighton. Yeah, and, and the results <laughs> read like binary code, don't they? So <laughs> they do. it's not, uh, not too exciting. I think we're going to gloss over them quite quickly. I didn't have any attacking assets during these games, so I was just hoping for clean sheets, um, particularly in the Burnley game, which I had uh, Cedric in and Stephen Ward. So um, I was actually just hoping for both sides to concede here. When the goal went in for Burnley, because it's like, yeah, come on, now uh, now Southampton are going to show up. Charlie Austin's on the pitch away against his old club. You've got to be thinking that's going to be a goal. But alas, alas for me and luckily for you, uh, Burnley held out and got quite an impressive win there. Yeah, I mean, Southampton just haven't shown any attacking threat whatsoever this season. Only managed nine goals all season and failed to score in eight of their 11 last home games, which is pretty shocking. But I think the story is more about the Burnley defence that's, um, that's now their fifth clean sheet, which is um, joint fourth best in the Premier League. But they're actually, they're, their stats for shots is um, the worst. It's 195 shots they've conceded, which is the worst in the Premier League. I think it's um, partly down to Nick Pope, their goalkeeper, who's been a... <laughs> You know, yeah. a star really hasn't he? Yeah, since he exactly. uh, the thing is with the Burnley defence. I mean, I'm getting me in this week for Bellerin. I think they're just looking like such a staple now. It feels like you know Phil Jones a couple of weeks ago in that Aklini there in FPL land at least is is equal to also Red Arrow for me not owning and me as well looks quite a threat. I remember last year he scored against Man City, didn't he? I think he's accounted for four point nine. I think last time he looked, he was um, he was about third in the most transferred in players. So it's it's pretty incredible what's going on with Stephen Ward. And I had him at four point five, so I'm quite happy that I'm going to potentially be getting 0.4's worth of rises out of him but um, I think in the last couple of games he hasn't picked up any bonus Ben Mee got 9 in one of them and 8 in the other so he has missed out on the bonuses he does offer a bit of assist potential a little bit more perhaps than Ben Mee but Ben Mee like you said um, you know he offers that threat from corners and could uh, could always score could always so, bash you know, one in yeah I mean, always Tarko and Loughton there and the only thing to keep an eye on there is really the Dyche Everton connection we don't know what's going to happen there yet um, maybe if Daesh goes, there might be a problem with those clean sheets continuing. But but who knows? I'm yeah, sure they're I quite mean, well the, the players are in, the players in form. Tarko Mia had 97 and 95 clearances each, which is second and third most out of all uh, Premier League players. Yeah, and I think they're top for blocks as well. The two of them aren't they? Tarko and me. Yeah, so they're you, up there with the Brighton boys as well. Can see why they're hoovering the uh, hoovering the bonus. And let's move on to the Brighton lads then. So Brighton won, no involvement for Gross, um, but four matches unbeaten Brighton and the old warhorse Murray. <laughs> <laughs> it again he's converting I mean I would never be considered Glenn Murray in normal circumstances but at 5.8 I mean you've got to be thinking well they've got Stoke Man United Palace next I three prefer, I still prefer um, Tammy Abraham I think you've, you've got to go with youth haven't you you've got to give youth a chance in your team you know that yeah. young and upcoming player yeah. rather than the old war horse Glenn Murray but no yeah he's he's um, proving himself as a a decent poacher to go and he's probably he's building up a little connection with um, Pascal Gross as well um, he's obviously you know providing all the assists to every Brighton goal Murray's doing yeah, well yeah, he's just getting on the end of it he's addicted to the shindig of scoring isn't he and uh, Duffy and Dunk you mentioned yeah so um, they're getting on the end of shots as well they've had nine each which is up there in the most shots for defenders you know Dunk at 4.4 definitely a decent option Duffy 103 clearances most out of any player you know if you're looking for a Differential in the cheap market, and don't want to, you know, don't want to buy a Burnley defender. Go for a Brighton one. 
So, um, so. You've, you've got Kyle Norton stinking I out your team, though, haven't you? Do have Kyle Norton, and in game week six, it seemed like a great idea, but it's looking very, very stupid now. I mean, he, he was on one bonus point at some at some point in. It? I kept sort of seeing one live score. Kyle Norton delivers a cross into the box, but I think he didn't do anything really, unfortunately. And he he's looking like he'll be this year's Peters for me, you know, like yeah. sitting on the bench, second sub kind of thing. I'm never going to play him, and uh, Swansea are looking pretty well, poor. Well, whenever moment. you play him and you see them concede, you just want to throw away your television, don't you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and then uh, Newcastle, Bournemouth. Uh, speaking of throwing away your television, so Matt Ritchie, I owned in that game. Two great shots. Once he hit the post, it rebounded out, and Gale converted, but it wasn't a goal. It was given as offside, which is really annoying. And then the second shot was a great save by Begovic. You know, he's not looking like the best option at the moment. Five point nine. United up next, and I'm probably going to be benching him this week. Coming Loftus Cheek. <laughs> so, disappointing times. D- disappointing. I mean, the cells he got injured as well, so I'm a bit worried about Newcastle's defensive solidity uh, for their upcoming fixture against Manchester United. I've still got um, Jules Sp- Spiroli actually, so I'm, t- I'm tempted to give him a chance. Yeah, <laughs> give, give him a Just, run. Why not? Yeah, be a, a bit of fun. Incredibly, there were 32 shots in that game, 16 per side. Um, so you know, Steve Cook at four point eight registering the goal and getting fifteen points for what his single digit of owners, I suspect. Yeah. For Bournemouth's um, next few fixtures are just great. I mean, Huddersfield home, Swansea away, Burnley home, Southampton home, Crystal Palace away. I mean, surely they can get at least three out of five clean sheets. Charlie Daniels, we talked about him on um, pods in the past. He's obviously a very attacking defender. Um, unfortunately not on penalties anymore I mean, if it wasn't penalties it'd be amazing but no I mean last few seasons he scored 4-5 or five goals each season so you know he hasn't really done too much this season so far but maybe he can return some attacking points yeah I think he's one to have a look at I mean, I'm looking at maybe Simon Francis at 4.4 the captain maybe bringing him in as my Mbemba replacement just because those fixtures are so good as you mentioned I think yeah you've got to get rid of Mbemba at some point just uh, especially once the fixture congestion increases you need to have like 15 players playing week in week out don't you yeah exactly and then moving on to the final kind of one of these boring games West Brom lost uh, to Huddersfield and you know who cares uh, Hagazzi owners might care I mean he's the highest owned uh, yeah, defender he's still um, got 20.8% ownership even though he's decreasing even though he's decreased back down to 4.6 so you know if you still like Hagazzi just get rid because you're losing value now you've lost most of the value that you had so I think West Brom defence is pretty poor same with Foster as well probably time to get rid if you you have him and try and find a keeper that can keep a clean sheet maybe Nick Pope um, yeah, Huddersfield, I mean, it, just, it was a cracking goal by Van der Parra. All right, so let's move on to something more interesting. 4-1 Liverpool, a Billich bye-bye. Um, West Ham have not looked like a cohesive unit and relying on the individual talents of players like Lanzini and Antonio. And uh, yeah, he, he's gone and he's been replaced by David Moyes, Nick. I mean, what are your, what are your views on Moisey? Well, yeah, I mean, he, he's such an exciting manager. I think he's, he's going to get the old gang back together shortly. He's going <laughs> to bring in... an exciting manager, I'm sure you'll get, Bring in back Darren Gibson, Yanazai, maybe bring back Fellaini, Fellaini and uh, Moyes and West Ham. You know, it's a match made in heaven. But no, yeah, we'll, we'll see how he gets on. Obviously, he's, his uh, career's hit... Um, a bit of a poor patch after yeah, previously you, being three times LMA manager of the year. Do you think he's carrying some scar tissue about his kind of previous performances? I think definitely he's definitely carrying some scar tissue, yeah. So on the other side of it, I mean, obviously no, one, no one's really got West Ham assets. We're going to speak about them later on, though. Uh, Liverpool, there's one man probably we need to be speaking about, which is Salah. Um, probably wish we both captained him, really, don't we? Yeah, I mean, he definitely put in a captain's performance, as Alan <laughs> Smith would say, an FPL captain, but no, he was our vice-captain, so uh, 
you know, like, I, we were both really pleased. But then we were actually surprised, like, how many people in our mini-league had him as well. So we weren't seeing too much. Um, you were hoping for a bit of rank increase. And then you looked in the mini-league and you're like, everyone's got Salah apart from Neil Gupta. So sorry, Neil. Yeah, but he was below me. And it was just, like, it was crazy. Absolutely crazy. The ownership's creeping, isn't it, as well? I mean, it must be ne- nearing 40% Yeah, now. it's near 40%. It's insane. You know, nearly 2 million managers benefited from his uh, returns at the weekend. So... There's no surprise. I mean, he's a great FPL asset. He was our pick for Liverpool at the beginning of the season. I think when we did the red roulette. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, you've, yeah. got, you've got Sadio Mane. He's back. Got two assists. And like, did you see that first goal for Salah? I mean, just the afterburners, both of them. Like, so quick. But he's looking like a valid differential for for Salah, isn't he, Mane? Yeah, yeah I think once. Uh, Bilic just left um, Aaron Creswell at the back <laughs> defending the corner, you know. Like, of course, they were going to get completely caught in the counter-attack. It was daft, daft management there. But, um, yeah, no returns for Firmino again, despite a very good performance. I mean, he's always a case of the, being the bridesmaid, not the bride, isn't he, Firmino? Yeah, well, we said that, though, I think, at the start of the season. That's probably what's going to happen with Firmino, that he's creating the space for other people. He's doing work for the team. That doesn't necessarily translate into, F- into FPL points. Actually, though. for, like, the second half, Salah was actually playing, like, the number nine position, and yeah, Firmino yeah. moved over to the wings. So, yeah, you, know, you, like, can see, you can see why there's all these... Co- position played by Salah as well. Exactly. And I think if you don't own Salah at the moment, you've got to either be thinking, I'm going to get Mane in, or be panicking, just jumping on the wagon. But we'll, I think we'll speak about this a bit later. Yeah, because we'll, yeah, we're going to cover it in the market forces as well. I mean, Liverpool now top for goal attempts, 199. But um, we saw that people are just moving out the Spurs assets for the Liverpool assets, and it's, it's no surprise with um, with that sort of performance against West Ham. Exactly. All right, let's move on to, to Sunday then. Um, Harry Kane, we were obliged to captain him, weren't we, I think? And... Uh, yeah, it didn't really work out, and I think it was just one of those weeks where we, we know what Kane can do, and going without Kane, he scores a hat-trick at home, you're toast. Um, and I think that that's what kind of made people go into it, like it's herd mentality, it's fear and greed driving you to do it, and um, yeah, I guess, I mean, what do you think about everybody's performances, Nick? I think universally speaking, everyone was just dis- disappointed with, um, <laughs> with Kane once again, and it's just like... It's just the story of my season in terms of my captain's picks. because oh, yeah, every time it's I going just keep, terribly, isn't it? I, keep, I, I can never get a captain decision right. And it's because I keep captaining Harry Kane at home against easy oppositions. And on my way as well against Newcastle. So it's just like Burnley, like I said, Burnley, Bournemouth, Swansea and now Palace. It's just like, am I just going to keep doing it all season? Just keep punishing myself? I mean, Spurs have Arsenal away next so you know maybe you wouldn't captain Harry Kane against them but then it's West Brom at home you'd think captain Harry Kane but he's, he's going to be again he's going to blank it's inevitable yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've, I think confidence is definitely shaken in him I mean elsewhere um, I mean Son the man I'd love to own but never really can because he's never going to be in the first team let's face it scored again uh, in this sort of game um, Ali injury at the lot Sunday morning this was being uh, reported that he was injured wasn't it so Poch is kind of beginning to show that he can be quite deceptive in press conferences then don't know yeah it's been a few times that Pock hasn't um, told us something like I think it happened with Ben Davis a couple of times when they were playing at home as well where he he had an illness but no one knew about it in the t- in 
until the team sheet was announced. So you have to be very, and I think there's also Harry Kane as well with his injury. Like they pretended like it was just cramp until like the Friday when they were like, nope, he's injured. Exactly. And the other man um, as well as Ericsson. I mean, my initial plan actually last week, if Kane wasn't fit, maybe it was a blessing in disguise, was to bring him in and captain him instead of Sterling. I mean, Ericsson's uh, he's, he's stepping back into the midfield, isn't he, a bit more? He's only he, the last time he assisted was game week two. That is a surprise, but it's not. It's not a surprise considering Spurs have had um, quite a few injuries in midfield. I mean, they've had to shuttle Harry Winks into the first team because of like the likes of Wanyama being out, um, Dembele being injured as well. Dia, who played most of last season in midfield, had to play a lot of the time as part of the back three as well because of defensive injuries. Yeah, and on the other side of it, you've got Palace. Um, Zahar rounded rounded uh, Gazaniga, but couldn't convert. Um, so still still looking quite dangerous. Um, you've got Scott Dan, the goal scorer, who also looked quite close to uh, looked quite close on a couple of occasions. Only four point seven now. I think I owned him a couple of years ago, and you know he was where I drew some blood on a few occasions. Yeah, I mean he's been missing so many clear cut chances. He's been getting into the right positions, but like just he just converting. couldn't. Yeah, couldn't convert. I mean that was the end of Frank the Ball, wasn't it? it was Frank the Bye Bye. <laughs> I think once once Scott Dan missed that lot. That header in his final game. Oh god, yeah, you can imagine his sinking feet. And finally, uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Uh, he's uh, oh, he's coming in the right at the moment. We're going to speak to speak about him later. But uh, he had a sh- he had one shot in the game and one created one chance. Nick, I mean, these are it's fantastic, fantastic stats, which make it definitely worth a field compared to Matt Ritchie next week, okay. right? Sure, yeah, yeah, convince yourself, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Man City then. Yep, 3-1. Um, Jesus didn't start, but he came off the bench and scored. Uh, Sterling as well. Uh, uh, did you see that Sterling, um, when Sterling and Sane were through and he just like absolutely fudged a pass? It was horrendous. I couldn't believe that. But he still managed to, yeah. to get a return because he um, he got the assist for Aguero's penalty. Uh, it was a bit of a weird one. So obviously both my Manchester City assets um, returned points, which I was pleased about, but... I don't know. Like, I think I might just keep on to keep Jesus, even though he didn't start. I think he's he's just going to come off the bench and get returns each time, and he seems like he's, he's worth keeping for now. He's a bit of a slight differential because he's had a few sales because he's as selling well. being sold so much. I got Jesus in right two weeks ago or two game weeks ago. I paid minus four for him. He's got me one point, one point, and five points. And it, I mean, Josh on always cheating also mentioned this, but he looks like a bit of a squad player to me. I mean. I don't really want a man who's looking like he's going to play half the games in the league. I feel like there's some psychology here, Tom, because I got him the week before you and he got a 13-point return from that week. So I've still got, you know, positive memories of that high-scoring game week, yeah. which you don't currently have. So you seem like you're more like leaning towards selling him than I, I am. I'm, I'm you feel like selling. I can see another double-figure return any <laughs> any time coming I'm, from I'm him. I'm almost so. definitely selling. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's availability heuristic again where you've got that kind of happy memory front of mind where you're like yeah yeah Jesus I believe I believe and then I tried to kind of retroactively grow some faith and that faith never went anywhere unfortunately I was quite upset with that yeah and uh, should we whilst you're upset should we talk about your your team Arsenal yeah yeah maybe I mean Lacazette um, as I said on Twitter at the beginning of the game he's 50 million pounds he's a 50 million pound star striker you've got to be starting him and you've got to get him ingratiated with the team Um, didn't start came on and scored uh, Ramsey was in the points again Ramsey who we brought in on the anti-mess team actually due to his underlying form um, was the man who assisted him uh, but the key talking point really from an Arsenal point of view is the offside for David Silva when we were for the 3-1 um, I'm, I've seen a few of them and obviously um, 
you know these things happen an awful lot it doesn't just happen to Arsenal it happens to everyone and Arsene, Arsene Wenger as well afterwards was saying oh Sterling dives very well or something like that yeah I, I mean, think he made a big bit of a you know oh it was all the referees decisions that lost us the game it wasn't the fact that Manchester City basically outperformed Arsenal massively yeah. and I think you, before the game you, I think as an Arsenal fan you'd be happy to admit that you were expecting a loss you weren't expecting yeah. to, you weren't going into that game thinking oh we can win this one really were you like, yeah exactly I mean, in, it would have been a surprise if it, Arsenal it would won. have been a surprise in the first half we were looking extraordinary compared because of how good City were and you know it was just 10 more reasons why we need somebody new because it was just the performance wasn't good enough the players weren't good enough and it it just didn't look like having Sanchez starting there and he do, he doesn't want to be there he wants to join the other team and Lacazette on the bench as well Lacazette exactly. definitely should have started that's what I was earlier that's what I was saying and you know I feel like we're not learning very much about Arsenal now and all I can all I am is annoyed I mean I benched Bellerin glad I benched Bellerin he got one point and they're just looking I mean what they got next they've got Spurs Burnley Huddersfield Man United and Southampton and those are five fixtures, apart from the Huddersfield game, where you'd be reticent to really be jumping on Arsenal, right? Yeah, I mean, you can see a clean sheet perhaps against Burnley, clean sheet against Southampton, so maybe you should... And Huddersfield, be, and, yeah. you know, Jose will probably park the bus against them as well, so maybe, you know, Bellerin isn't a bad shout to keep for the next few game weeks. I'm not keeping hold of him, he's going for a Burnley asset, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so what happened next? Let's uh, move on yeah, to... Yeah, so um, Watford, Everton... That was quite an exciting game uh, till in the end. Uh, the main talking point, I guess, was I mean, Everton with a fantastic comeback, but I think just cleverly fudging that penalty right at the end, denying us of um, those Richarlison assist points and the additional free bonus points. Yeah, that was very, very upsetting. And I was looking at the mini league when that when there was a penalty, and I was kind of calculating where I could have jumped to and all the people I could beat this week. Richarlison picked up the ball and started trying to take the penalty. And the players were like, no, no, no. The, the manager said it's it's Tom Cleverly. It's a bit like kind of, you know, Mourinho with Lukaku. And it was really depressing, actually, because you know, if Richarlison scores that, he gets a brace. I mean, then we're really talking about, you know, hyper green arrows here. Uh, so, yeah, that was quite depressing. Yeah, I mean, Everton, I don't know if anyone's still looking at them for assets. It was nice to see um, Leighton Baines get a goal and assist. A bit of a flashback to, uh, you know, happier times, perhaps. Yeah. But, um, they've got, I mean, they've got Crystal Palace up next. They've got Southampton, West Ham, Huddersfield. So, it is, we really should be talking about Everton. But, like... Who who is there? I mean, I know a few people have been talking about Dominic Calvert Lewin potentially. Yeah, he scored, he scored, didn't he? And yeah. um, Nias as well, because I think most people on Twitter are saying that Nias is the starter, but I don't. I'm not too certain about that. Nias is four point nine, uh, but so which is obviously very good value. But is he going to start? Is he going to come off the bench? Who knows? Um, they're obviously their managerial situations up in the air as well, because it sounds like from the media that Unsworth's not going to keep the job. No, is that? And, uh, who knows? If Daesh goes there, perhaps we might look at the defence again. I mean, we were, we were saying on WhatsApp, weren't we, that maybe Siggy might be quite good if Daesh goes there because of the set pieces and the fact that that might happen. Um, uh, Evan for Dave, it, uh, I, I don't know. I, I can't look at them at the moment. I, I, they're completely out of the running for me, out of the reckoning for me, I suppose. Um, one team, or two teams were in the reckoning and were part of the reason why this game was so awkward. Chelsea United, 1-0. Um, I was actually really lucky early on um, because of the own goal for Jonesy, which wasn't given because of a push. But that would have been an Alonso yeah, assist. it would have been an Alonso <laughs> assist. I felt, I felt very happy actually with the result because I didn't have any United coverage. 
and I had um, Alonso and Morata. And I think just Manchester United players are so heavily owned. If it was a Lukaku goal with perhaps a Mkhitaryan assist, then my rank would have just plummeted. It would have just been completely the opposite. Phil Jones probably picked up some bonus points. David Hayward, of course, picked up three saves or six saves and got bonus points as well. And it would have just been a terrible game week so I was very happy with the result the Aspilicueta to Morata partnership again that's the fifth time that he's um, assisted Morata this season so he's assisted five out of Morata's seven goals so far Um, only four points um, now separate Kane, Lukaku, Morata and Aguero in terms of FPL scores so it's, it's very tight at the top in terms of which premium assets to own yeah, I, um, I think we should probably... Should we do... Luka- I think we'll keep Kaku for a bit later on because that's quite a section in itself, yeah, I think. Yeah, we're going to do a little bit of a Lukaku versus Morata comparison. Gem- general chat, uh, I think. But I think yeah, we can cover that a little bit later. About, so Alonso, what do you think? We both uh, we both own him. Is he an expensive dud? Well, I know a few people as well who have talked about um, Alonso to Aspilicueta sideways moves. And, that's, and you, you said it as well. You were thinking about it. I don't think you were thinking about it seriously, but you, you had it in one of your drafts as a, a part of a minus four, minus eight hit, which yeah, I, yeah, I thought was a bit daft. Um, Thanks. <laughs> sorry, no offence. But I mean, I, I can understand why you're leaning oh. towards Aspel Equator, but it's just, at the moment, if, you, if we do a comparison, I mean, Alonso, he's, he's better. He's got 81.2 minutes per goal attempt compared to 200, 270 minutes for Aspel Equator. So Alonso still carries much more of an attacking threat. But um, it's, with chances created, um, Aspel Equator, he's got 135 minutes per chance created compared to 224 for Alonso. So. A chance created every 135 minutes. That kind of suggests that he's kind of getting a bit lucky. And so, a few people have said on Twitter, and I noticed it as well, that the pass to uh, Morata, he's done that same pass about three times. So, t- so teams have got to be getting wise to that eventually. And hopefully, like Alonso, whenever, when I did watch the highlights, was in the box and in the right area. He just needs to be found. And then suddenly we're going to have 15 points or something, and we're going to be like, "Yeah, I'm glad I kept him." Definitely. I mean, none of Alonso's shots have been target in the last six game weeks, but hopefully he can do something soon. I, I don't know, but um, it's, you also like with the heat maps. Aspel Equator he plays as part of a back three essentially. That's Alonso. He's a wing back, so Alonso has been getting a lot further forward than Aspel Equator. Exactly. Then with Chelsea, the final thing is that West Brom, Liverpool, and then they've got Swansea, Newcastle, and West Ham uh, beginning on a sea of green, effectively. And it's I, got a heavy glow to it, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And having three, I think having two of those or three of those is going to start to become in vogue. But anyway, that's the weekend recap. Uh, let's move on to the features after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Okay, so uh, we're back, and we've got, we've got some news for you about our website. Yep, we're doing a site upgrade. It's coming next week. I think we've um, put a couple of teasers up on um, Twitter and Facebook, haven't we, as to what to expect. But we're, we're quite looking forward to uh, releasing it officially. Yeah, and having a nice kind of new site. And I think what we're going to do is use that as an excuse to reinvigorate our blog a little bit. So at the beginning, obviously, you guys may have gotten to know us through blog posts and prospecting the prospects and the teams and, you know, like the wider kind of future trend stuff that we did. Exactly. I think we started off as a website. Well, we were always planning on being a podcast, but we sort of entered the entered the realms as a website where we were posting daily um, daily articles over the summer. 
to get people excited for the new season but it's kind of dropped off a little bit I think um, as the season's begun because we've been focusing mostly on the, our weekly podcast yeah um, so what we're going to do from now on I think is try to get something new on the site every couple of days so keep checking it out once we've launched it we're quite busy as, as people I mean Nick and I both have day jobs and you know we do this just just out of fun um, but we have a, a range of writers and a couple of designers who are in our kind of WTA team as well and we're just going to kind of reiterate that quick roster um, just quickly um, so the first we've got Ed who's a Procoptas in FFS um, who, will be, who writes for us uh, about kind of a lot of stat based issues and about kind of the wider issues that face FPL very good writer we've got a couple of graphic designers we've got Matt and we've got Marco who you might have heard of a few times and then finally we've got Ewan as well who's uh, who works in statistics for the government and he's coming on next week's pod to discuss some smart model he's come up with and generally kind of add a different voice to proceedings because you, as you might have heard me and Nick tend to think fairly similarly about these things yeah, I think yeah. Um, yeah and just on Matt and Marco Marco's obviously he's helped us a lot with the, the web design which we um, much appreciate so thanks for that Marco Matt's been producing some uh, fantastic infographics he's been doing the stock market for us week in week out which is um is a great infog. He's also done some of the sort of the stats where we, you know, the seven point zero midfielders we looked at the beginning of the summer and other stuff like the red roulette. So yeah, much appreciated, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys, very much. So let's move on to the anti-meta side then, Nick. And this is our team of players who aren't in the template, not really being spoken about in the wider meta or the wider kind of FPL discussion at the moment. We try to keep them under ten percent owned, but unfortunately, we have been a little bit successful with some of our picks, so we've had to kind of hamstring our own team, and we have to wildcard them soon, aren't we? Uh, it's probably trying to think of a way of doing. That soon. So, how did the Antimess team do this week, then, Nick? Well, they scored 44 points, um, which was about a game week rank of about 2.6 million. They're down, so it's a red arrow, unfortunately, down to 550,000th in the world. So, still beating you, Tom, oh. you know, those anti meta <laughs> boys. But um, they actually had to KDB as their captain and got 20 points on him. So, I suppose that was their saving grace this week, otherwise, it'd have been really bad because the rest of them didn't really do too much apart from um, Aaron Ramsey. They still got like the likes of that. Then Anthony Marshall getting one point. They got um, sort of an assist for Maguire, um, four points. Okay, I guess they had um, Siggy. You know, still very anti-meta, but still not scoring at all. I think yeah. he's probably going to be in the team all season, probably yeah. at this rate, just doing nothing. And the likes of Josh King as well. You know, a star of last season that hasn't quite delivered yet so far. Um, they um, they had a Joel Matip was, he was on the bench unfortunately he got 10 points but <laughs> didn't start for some reason there's, there's one man that got one point and that was uh, Alan Nyom wasn't it Tom? Yep so we've been following the fortunes of Alan Nyom since the start of the season um, just because we were kind of annoyed at the fact he was criminally overpriced at 5.0 and we're just kind of you know immersing ourselves in all, all things Nyom just to see if he has what it takes over the course of the season to justify that price and so far we think probably not but but we've got another installment of Nyon Watch for you. Nick's going to take you through it. Um, enjoy. So Alan Nyon, he played 90 minutes. He had 74 touches, 37 passes received, 45 passes made, 37 successful passes. That's 82% for you maths nerds. <laughs> Five crosses. None were successful. 0% for you maths nerds. Two tackles. He won them both. 100%. In dispatches, he was mentioned thusly. 36th minute. Nyom cautioned for a foul on goalscorer Dilapara. And um, for Nyom owners, it's worth noting at this point, he's minus 97% on FPL stats. So it looks like a drop is incoming. 
Unless, of course, he's owned by someone in FPL Towers like Cedric is, because Cedric hasn't dropped yet. I know. I mean, maybe he's one of the dark necessities for FPL Towers, but at the same time, I mean, I think we're we're kind of making our point every week that maybe the 5.0 at the beginning of the season was kind of mad. Um, But we do love Alan, and if you do see him down local as the Primark Poundland, maybe B&M stores, let us know, and uh, with the hashtag NyonWatch. Um, let's move on, Nick, and let's move away from Alan onto the economy. Yep, so it's time for the market forces section. This is a regular section we have each game week where we look at the prices, who's rising, who's falling, and try and do some analysis in terms of the reasons for the trends. And it goes hand in hand with a weekly article we also do for Fancy Football Scouts called The Market Forces. So the uh, the first guy, I guess, <laughs> this week is Osamendi. Um been sold so far by 132,000 people, Nick. Uh, toppled off the suspension tightrope. Well, yeah, I guess um, one match isn't enough. It's, it's too much for people to wait for, so they're just getting rid. And I think it's um, partly to do with uh, Phil Jones and his uh, prominence. And even though Jonesy had had a bad game week um, this week, uh, people don't seem to tend to mind. He's, he's already risen in price by 0.1 this game week he's had um he's had 90,000 transfers in so far this game week which is uh tons so uh, yeah exactly yeah, everyone's and still on that Jones wagon oh by the way I tried to say earlier on um Otamendi how do you feel about keeping him in your team what do you think about that well I'm actually that's an interesting point Tom because I'm actually thinking about genuinely doing that move Otamendi to Jones um so I've got a free transfer I'm going to wait until all those England games are over. I'm not in a rush. Because the thing is, like, if I get Jones in early, there's absolutely 100% chance that he gets injured in the England match. So I'm just going to wait. I'll wait possibly until the Thursday or the Friday, depending if he's going to rise again. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make that move. And I'm... It just it just makes sense. I won't have any I won't have any Manchester United coverage otherwise, and I need defensive coverage for that upcoming run. I need to cover him. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And um, so other people who seem to be benefiting, your man Ward, up to four point nine now. Um, yeah. Aspilicueta as well benefiting from uh, sales of Otamendi. Yeah, yeah, those um, Burnley defenders are rising and rising. It's it's, it's crazy that they're. Bringing in so much, so many transfers, but it's just they've just been so impressive defensively. It's, 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 well, it's not really a surprise. Aspilicueta, yep, he's um, six point seven. He's had over seventy thousand transfers in, and um, that's partly due to his, um, you know, assisting potential. What people see, yeah, but I mean, the most transferred in player this game week is is Mo Salah, and we talked about him a little bit earlier. Over one hundred twenty-seven thousand transfers in at this this moment in time. Top dog, um, fifteen points score, fantastic. And, uh, he's being sold. Um, the guy being sold mostly for him is Delhi Ali. So Delhi Ali's had over seventy three thousand transfers out, and obviously he's he's carrying a knock, which um, you know has sped up the transfer out process. Plus the uh, the upcoming North London derby, which is also putting people off Spurs assets right now. Yeah, I think that's a bit mad though. I mean, if I see the North London derby and I'm a I'm a Spurs or Tottenham owner, I kind of want to get up and jump and get on one of these guys because like, I'm seeing people saying, you know, Kane captain because Kane's record in London derbies is amazing. Deli Alley looks, you know, that's the sort of game I think that he could flourish in. Um, so I don't know. I, I can see why you want to get Salah in. If you owned Ali and didn't own Salah, that straight swap makes 100% sense. Talk about that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not too sure about how these kind of 70,000 people are reacting so quickly. It looks like it's an international break injury. We've seen that. Yeah, I mean, it might be that their fortunes faded, you know. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah. 
they're having to sell these guys because they thought Ali was going to start and they're just so furious that he, he was injured. Even though it's, he's only yellow flagged, he might be back for the North I'm London sh- derby. I'm, but sure, then I'm sure he, he might. Be. He might it's like, end it's up like, lashing out as Jaco and getting sent off as well. Probably, so there's always that risk. It feels it feels a bit like kind of you know, Kane's already kind of withdrawn from England. Sterling, who else? Uh, yeah, Winks as well. Winks, yeah. And Delph, you and know. Delph, Hendo, has Hendo gone? I too? think he's gone too. So they're, you know they're they're, they're down to like the likes of Jack Cork and Jake Livermore being called up. You know, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Ruben Loftus Cheek is already there, but yeah, it is a it's a bit of a shocker. You know, like next thing you know, they're going to be calling up like your dad or something just because there's just no one left or Southgate's going to be like right got to yeah. get the kit back on it remains come a, out of retirement <laughs> it remains a travesty that Josh King hasn't been uh, called up to the England squad eh Nick yeah Josh King yeah Matt Ritchie yeah, yeah all these players anyway yeah, moving um, Wes, Wes Morgan as well he's, he's yeah. fantastic <laughs> continuing on with the uh, with the market forces uh, Alvaro Morata after that uh, after that goal 64,000 transfers in uh, it kind of makes sense of West Brom up next who are leaking goals um, but at the same time you've got to be wondering um, you know, where's the where who who are they selling off and people yeah. are selling Lukaku, aren't they? Yeah, and Lukaku's already dropped in price this game week. Uh, much to your celebration because I think you're planning on bringing him in, aren't you, for the the fixture run? Uh, I am. Um, <laughs> like I said, it's, it's it's very much a contentious issue at the moment. And I spoke earlier about you know the uh, the top strikers at the moment and and the points difference is very tight at the top yeah. in terms of who your I think we've your got, premium assets are. We've got a few questions on Lukaku, so we'll definitely get back to that later. Um, to round off the top ten, um, we've got uh, to the two Man City boys, uh, Sana still being bought by people. Seventy thousand transfers in, up to eight point nine now. He was eight point two, I think, about uh, six or seven weeks ago. So that is yeah, kind of missed out on that, that. one. That I've been sticking with Sterling, and I know Sane has been outscoring him most weeks, but I still quite like Sterling. I think as an option. Exactly. I mean, but the thing is with Sane, at least he's settled in a final location. Like he seems to be starting quite often. And this week was actually a rare blank, and I was actually quite pleased with that. One guy who didn't blank, who was probably what I think it was the third most captain guy, Sergio Cunaguero. Um, Fifty thousand people have brought in Kun. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, he only scored a penalty, but the thing is, everyone knows Kun by his reputation. I mean, he's a runner, a rebel, and capable of stunners, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And I think that you know, Man City over Christmas have a very good fixture run. The next four: Leicester, Huddersfield. Southampton, West Ham. I mean, those are four fantastic fixtures. And, you know, you've got to be thinking, if Cunaguero starts those four with the European competition fading into the background, that could be, you know, you could be quids in. That could be a goal every game at least. I think, he, yeah, he is my preference over Jesus, but I'm just, I've got one man and I'm going to stick with him. So... Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, you know, there's all these transfers going on, Nick. And uh, that leads us nicely on Psychology Corner, which returns today just because I had a bit more time to do something. And it's kind of prompted by a question from a friend of the pod, Andy Goodland. Um, hi, Andy. And uh, he asked us, thoughts on doing less, lads? Transfers in seem to, seem to be troublesome for me. Um, you know, I keep taking hits and they don't, do, they don't go very well. I'm becoming a bit of a hitaholic. Is a bet to do nothing? And I was thinking about, you know, why, if you're playing more and being more in, in, engaged and involved in FPL you tend to do more and be more active and make more changes and I think what it comes down to is types of involvement so people say you know I'm involved in this or I'm engaged in this but there's, there's actually two different types of involvement the first type is kind of transient or situational involvement this is kind of a temporary perception of how much you like something so it can be you know if you're going down the shop and buying some alcohol Nick you, you're kind of transiently involved with the category so you're not really thinking about alcohol the whole time you're not an enthusiast as far as I know about any sort of alcohol right 
Uh, well, <laughs> so, so if you're if you're buying a gin, you're not you're not kind of thinking, oh, you know, I, I want some with, with juniper with a, nice, with a nice kind of minty flavour, well, yeah, right? I'm not first, yeah, so. you're not that kind of guy. So your your involvement if you're buying a gin would be quite situational. We're looking at it and thinking, yeah, that's that's fine. So. That these people in FPL terms, people who on a Friday night look at their team and think, oh, I need to make a transfer. They look at, they get rid of someone who's injured who's, or who's blanked last week and bring in somebody who scored quite highly in the overall list. So that might be why Ward is being brought in. On the other hand, is enduring or sustained involvement, which is what we've got. So it's ongoing interest in the category, independent or specific situations. So we're always going to be interested in FPL no matter what. And our self-concept or our self-identity is based on FPL. So we are WGTA FPL and we love FPL. And um, this applies to managers who are involved with FPL all the time. And if you're the latter, like you are, Andy, and like we are, um, you get involved and you get easily influenced by thinking, yeah, this guy's essential because you see it on Twitter. You know, I've got to make these moves because I've heard that X, Y, and Z is happening in the transfer market. And this creates a template, this creates actions. And sometimes it is best, if you can, to just switch off. I mean, have you have I, you, have, I have, have, you ro- I have rolled a couple of times, actually, this season. Have you rolled at all this season? Yeah, I, I feel. I think I've rolled a couple of times. I feel sadly proud of myself that I don't make a change. And this is just because of the power of influence and because of the power of my involvement in, in, in FPL. And I think uh, you've just put your head, you've just nailed the kind of the way to stop this happening. You kind of create a self-goal, I think. It sounds a bit kind of self-helpy, doesn't it? But the best way to move forward is to create a self-goal and think in your mind, I'm the manager of my team, not other people. Let's not make a transfer this week or let's kind of try to roll my transfer. Let's try to take a hit. Let's try to not take a hit, sorry. And those are the kinds of things which... Um, may help you get over the fact that because you're so involved in the game you're removed from the ability to kind of switch off and kind of say you know what it's fine I'm just going to roll it excellent Tom okay let's move on to the community questions after this break who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and um, let's have a quick look at the who got the assist mini league and uh, just to reiterate that the league code is 1538-17403 if you haven't joined already at the top of the league is a new entry to the league <laughs> and, it, and what a new entry it's a Dama Tanay La La Land he got 68 points but his score is 775 which puts him second in the world so what a privilege to have a second in the world in our mini league and his, um, his <laughs> team he captained Salah oh he captained my god Salah, what a lad what a lad he also had Kane Jesus Richardson Alonso Daniels De Gea Hazard Loftus-Cheek Jones on the bench you can see um, why with that, with, that, with that sort of team you know you can see why he's doing so well if, if I was that high up I'd be a sarcastic Mr. Know-it-all Nick I, I don't know about you but well, how many points ahead of he is he's, he's 75 ahead of um, the former number one Ben Sutton with the Terabads so uh, yeah sorry Ben but he's been knocked off his perch and he's got a lot of chasing to do um, it seems like a new entry possibly in third as well I haven't seen this guy before it's Daniel Callum with the Red Devils 79 points so Congratulations um, to Danielle as well. I think we've got a question from Danielle actually Have this we? week. Yeah, oh, yeah, excellent. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, um, the guy who uh, got the theme last week, and I don't really feel like he deserves a gold star, but here's a gold star. He's uh, Gavin Doyle. Uh, he, it, was <laughs> an obvious, yeah. it was an obvious theme, Halloween. I think Tom said it in the first sentence that it was a Halloween theme anyway. Yeah, gave that away. But, um, he's down to 15th, um, so he's dropped out of the top 10. I mean, there might be, a, I think we might be creating some sort of merch at some point, so there may be a prize for whoever comes first. Maybe some sort of Neon Watch mug or something. Yeah, we're knows. thinking about um, releasing a Neon Watch mug, so uh, look out for that. <laughs> Okay, cool. Uh, we've got a couple of community shout-outs this week. Um, 
Um, the first thing is uh, Chef Dale um, at, at FFPundit underscore Dale, I think he is. And the Josh King thread, which I enjoy every single time. Uh, the usual, you heard us talk about that, the usual stuff about him not being eligible for England. And, you know, it just kind of uh, warmed up a really annoying Tuesday morning for me. Um, cool in some ways. There are a few nibbles saying, oh, he's Norwegian, you bloody idiots. But <laughs> I mean, that was quite funny. And the other thing is we're doing a London meetup. Um, so if you are London-based, I appreciate a lot of you aren't. And you do, for some whatever reason, want to meet me and maybe Nick as well. He's kind of trying to see if he can get a pass that night. And we're going to the sports bar in Marlebone to watch Arsenal versus Liverpool on tw- Friday, the 22nd of December, half past seven. Um, we'll keep banging on about this. It's on Twitter. We'll put it on our website at some point. But yeah, um, it'd be lovely if you guys come down and just had a chat about FPL. I, F- I think you said, though, I think you booked a table for 10, but... I think we've definitely had more than ten so far sign up, so you might have to um, increase uh, increase the table allowance at this rate. Yeah, I mean this is with um, in collaboration with MathSafe FPL Peter Blake, um, and yeah, we've got loads of interest. I mean Andy Goodlin, one of our good friends, um, is thinking of coming FPL Connect and all these kind of guys. So yeah, it's, it's looking uh, looking like it'd be a good night. So if you can make it, uh, let us know. Drop us an email, say you're interested, and I'll add you to the list, and then maybe try to figure out if I can get a section or something at the sports bar in Marlebone. Anyway, let's move on to the questions, Nick. And uh, first is is not a surprising one. Yeah. So the first question is about Lukaku. Yeah. Um, we've had questions on him from FPL Apprentice Craft FPL on Twitter, Mark London from the Fancy Football Heads Group on Facebook, Climb up. Um, Ryan Matra from Facebook as well, um, Liam McGregor as well from the Guff Facebook group, and uh, Sir Abdul as well from Reddit. So should he be brought in? Should we be worried about not owning him? Is uh, Lukaku for Jesus viable? And Sir Abdul's asked us, is it time to bring him in for Aguero? Slash Murata. And I think you were chomping at the bit to give me your uh, why Murata is better than Karkushpil, weren't you? So uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, where's to start, really? This is tough. I mean, if you look at the, I did a bit of analysis um, in the last six uh, game weeks to just look at Lukaku versus Murata. So as you know, Murata is a lot cheaper than Lukaku as well. So that's just, that's just one side point that yeah. doesn't really need to be covered. One point two, I think, to, is, is um, the difference. Now. I think just like the penalty boxes touches in the uh, last six games, uh, Murata's had thirty-one penalty uh, box touches, whilst Lukaku's only had nineteen. So Murata is winning there for sure. Lukaku, I think. I think, you know, Pogba is back. So I'm not saying that it's definitely Murata beating Lukaku in terms of the stats because I think once Pogba's back, those chances will be appearing for um, Lukaku again. But just in just the majority of the stats, obviously goal conversion last six game weeks, Murata's had 33.3%. Um, Lukaku's only had 14.3%. Murata's had better shot accuracy as well, 66% compared to... Um, Lukaku's 50% minutes per attempt Murata beats him 29.6 versus Lukaku's 38.6 so the big big chance is 1.6 so basically you're you're not you're going to stick with Murata and you're not going to bring in Lukaku is that that the upshot of this Nick well yeah Um, (laughs) yeah essentially I mean I, I, I do like Lukaku and I think he does obviously offer a lot and he's potentially going to score in one of the next few game weeks, I think maybe even score a couple of goals. Newcastle at home, 
I, I would have said he wasn't going to, but now Lascelles is injured and Pogba's back, I'm starting to think that maybe he is going to finally get a return. But he's, he's just had a barren spell, hasn't he? And I think Lewis Jones pointed this out from the Guff Facebook group as well. Right? Yeah, Lewis Jones. Lewis said that you know early on he's going to do really well, and then he'll go into a blank period. The thing is with Lukaku. I mean, I posted a table on Twitter and on Reddit. Um, I looked at his stats last year: 25 goals, 21 of them came against teams which finished below Everton. Um, 84% of his goals and 79% of all of his points, 174 of his 221 points were scored against teams which were below him. And it's it's actually incredible. I mean, he blanked in 75% of the big games against big teams, but against little teams, he flourished. And there was no kind of rhyme or reason to it. There was no kind of like, oh, he's in form, he's going to keep scoring. With Lukaku, what the case was, was that if he had a good fixture, he scored. They've got Newcastle, Brighton and Watford next. And people have been saying, oh yeah, well, Lukaku, you know, the last few games, hasn't been, have, they haven't done very well. But I mean, put it in context, they were playing quite... Not on the front foot. They Mourinho set out against Liverpool for the nil nil. Set out against Chelsea for the nil nil. Um, maybe one chance was all they all they had. Um, and you well, know, they, they tried to beat Huddersfield. Yeah, Hudders, Huddersfield. I think you know maybe it's slightly anomaly because Phil Jones went off early and it seemed to rattle them a bit. And Huddersfield did shock them with the two goals. Um, I think the cases for Lukaku that we call him a flat track bully in the community and I think that that's definitely true like the fact is that he scores goals the default is that he's going to score I think with Newcastle Bryson and Watford next he's being fed by a better supply line than Everton people are saying oh you know Pogba might not be back might not be fit so what I mean Everton who did Everton have last year what Barkley not really, who wasn't too happy under Koeman you know Morales I mean he still managed 25 goals and a lot of his goals came in teams uh, came in games like those against Newcastle so I kind of think you know I definitely what? think he's definitely, games. definitely an option but my preference at the moment would be Morata I think if you look at the fixtures obviously Chelsea have West Brom away Liverpool away Swansea at home Newcastle at home so you know they've got three out of four very good fixtures plus Liverpool as well who haven't exactly been defensively solid this season so I do. Um, I still stand by. I think Murata is a better option than Lukaku. But you know, I, I want Lukaku in my team. I, I want to get him in for Jesus. I just I can't afford it this game week, and I'm happy to risk it. And if he scores against Newcastle, I will be thinking about bringing him in for the Brighton game. But if he blanks again, I'll be pleased about my decision. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely bringing him in. I think you know people are saying that 48% ownership. He's not differential. Probably agree with you. But then equally, you've got to think well the amount of teams that he's in. Uh, prob- a lot of them are going to be dead teams or maybe a third of that 48% so maybe you're looking about 30% ownership 33% ownership I think that's quite decent actually given the fact that you know people are buying uh, Aguero at su- ma- such massive numbers I mean for those three games I think I'm going to bring him in stick the armband on him hopefully he'll score against Newcastle and we'll see something so I guess we kind of differ there but I mean my preference is probably Lukaku for these but I'm coming from a challenger position whereas Nick's kind of quite happily sitting in the top 400 500 Four hundred eighty, top one hundred eighty k. So I, I think you you can you can kind of let that happen, <laughs> whereas I've got to try to jump on these kind of Lukaku things. But yeah, up to you guys. Uh, maybe it depends on your team. But yeah, I, I'm behind Lukaku, and I was very happy to see him drop to eleven point five. Next question is about uh, Phil Jones from FPL Virgin. A uh, off-repeated question. This um, he asked with rotation over Christmas. Will Phil Jones play every single match? Well, I think that's the problem. You can say that about any player. There's um, a lot of rotation happening. 
And I'd like to talk, you know, this question, you know, the fixture congestion is like a wider question in general. And I've said that in order to combat the fixture congestion, you need to have 15 players <coughs> playing in your squad. And that's why I think you need to get rid of Mbemba. Because yeah, I will be. I've got Kevin Vimmer warming the bench pretty much every game week at the moment. But, you know, when he's got games like Brighton and Crystal Palace, what a, what a player to come off your bench if you've got an issue. And I've got the likes of Carroll and Ruben Loftus-Cheek sitting on there as well. So if I bring in Phil Jones, this game week and he didn't play in comes Vimmer in comes Carroll against Burnley in comes Loftus-Cheek against Everton I haven't even decided the order but I've got a lot of flexibility there so I'm happy to do an Otamendi to Jones swap and looking at the fixtures I mean Newcastle, Brighton, Watford, Arsenal if you actually look at the the dates it's um, Newcastle on the 18th you'll probably play in that one guaranteed then it's uh, Brighton 25th probably play that one might be rested for the the, uh, Watford game and then play in the Arsenal game so it's, it's possibly only one game out of four that he actually misses. And, you know, any defender that you bring in from any team, some people are saying Otamendi might be rotated now because of company coming back from fix, um, from injury. So, you know, there's a risk with any defender from any team, whoever you're looking at, there's possible rotation. So you have to you just have to take a gamble and, you know, roll the punches and hope that you've got a, a fully um, playing bench that someone can come in for you. Yeah, that's it. I think with Phil Jones at the moment, I mean, you've got to kind of think, well, hey, oh, Every now and again, there is going to be a rotation. And as Nick said, I think, I mean, this goes on to the next question about fixture congestion, actually. Um, you know, you've got to have that bench to come in for players like that. Um, FPL Connect, Rashik on Twitter as well. And Scott Kelly on Reddit have asked us about this. So Connect asks us, uh, hi, Simon, um, how necessary is a false god over Christmas? When do we start doing it? Rashik asks, what does a good bench actually mean? Is it worth having a Cork or Carroll character who's going to get 4.5, uh, sorry, 4.5? 4.5 who's going to score two points every week and Scott asks what's the ideal midfielder to have um, with things looking like you know really really busy over Christmas and um, you know I think the fixture congestion I'm going to start as Nick said you know the next fixture game week 13 is on a on a midweek and that's the time which is prime for you know the Man City assets of this world you know Sterling probably might not play you know you're looking at maybe you know uh, Phil Jones, as we said, maybe coming not playing him and Smalling and maybe not Linda Loaf, as you call him, <laughs> one of them playing. And you've got to be thinking, well, I want to have that that kind of flexibility. Make sure I've got eleven players on the pitch. Well, yeah, I mean, we've already seen rotation with Manchester City anyway, regardless of the fixture congestion. I don't think it's going to change too much. I mean, I think we definitely. It is important to have a full squad. I think I just made that case a little while ago. Just I think just get get in those players. If you've got those four point zero non players, just look there's a there's a few, you know, likely lads at four point three, four point four that you can bring in, like Dunk is four point four, you know, you only need to find zero point four um cash yeah. somewhere just to get those guys. It maybe downgrade your second goalkeeper, I don't know, but you know yeah, I mean, there is money there. I mean to Rashik's point though, I mean Rashik was saying that you know you've got Cork and Carroll, they're gonna give you two points. Or you can spend that money on your on your on your first eleven and have zero off the bench. I mean, is it best to be spending that 0.5 extra on on the pitch? I mean, what, what do you reckon? I, I, there? I think you can definitely find. For, there's not really anyone cheaper than Cork or Carroll, though. I mean, what do you want to kind of save 0.2 bring in Michael Carrick? Is that the question? Well, maybe it could be. Maybe he means like if you've got like a Hernan Meyer versus having. Dunk or Francis, would you prefer to have Honeymire and that extra 0.5 somewhere else? 
Um, I would prefer to have um, someone like Duncan Francis coming off the bench if if someone like Raheem doesn't play because, like we saw, those guys got would have got six points coming off the bench this game week. So. Yeah, you've always got a chance, haven't you? I mean, the, the ideal midfield, I guess. I and mean, you've got a double pivot still, haven't you? Two four point fives. I have, yeah. So I've got that's how it's working out for me this season. I've been playing a four three three all season. It's been pretty good. Four four two could work for some people as well. I've seen teams with. Um, Calvert-Lewin, the ass um, we mentioned earlier, very, very cheap. Um, playing strikers, they're being rotated a little bit. They're not necessarily getting 90 minutes, but they are also getting the occasional return. There's um, Jordan Ayew as well, as well from Swansea, 5.0. I think he might be still. Yeah, he's, yeah. And then you've got the, so in midfield, you think maybe we have kind of Salah, you've got maybe a City player. You've got maybe like, like a Richardson, Richardson type, type character. character. Yep, and yep. then maybe the, after that it's open. So you've got two 4.5s, you personally. I've got Richie, who I'm not too sure about, to be honest. And I've got Ruben Loftus-Cheek. But I think it, it might. it's just worth having five players that you know at least on every given week, four of them are going to be playing. You can afford to gamble with the City asset. Let's face it, if you don't have De Bruyne, you don't have a misfiring silver, you're not going to get points from them. But I think it's definitely worth just making sure you've got boring, easy picks who aren't going to go walk about. They are going to start for you. I think that's just the best way of looking at it. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. Cool. All right, let's move on then. So the next question is um, about Manchester City during this congestion period. We've had questions from Ewan um, Daniel, who I mentioned earlier, Mr. Walker-Porter on Twitter. So apologies to Mr. Walker-Porter, because I think um, one of the pods we called him Mr. Walker-Peters, which <laughs> yeah. is um, a Tottenham fullback. But so um, the questions were, I think his question was um, whether we go for Kuhn or Jesus. And um, the other questions were about, will the rotation start to be more acceptable as others begin to rotate too? And um, do we have a ranking of the top City assets? Um, so I think rotation is a good point. I think you made that, that rotate, the, what, the big barrier to us bringing City assets in so far has been the rotation. So you've been thinking, oh God, you know, Sterling get rotated. I don't want him. I mean, but I think it was going to steadily become water under the bridge because you're going to start to be thinking, you know what? Well, Sterling's being rotated, but so is Salah. So is, um, you know, Cunaguero. So is X, Y, and Z. And it's going to be become something which is a bit more acceptable. And I think maybe the City assets going to be on an equal playing field now because of this pile up of fixtures. I think it's like seven seven during December, isn't it? Seven. It games. is a pile up, and um, City's rotation has been. You know, a lot of people have been suffering from it, but I I don't I haven't really minded it too much. I've had um, Jesus not start this week, and he's come off and um, scored. I've had Sterling come off the bench and score as well. So I'm still getting returns on these guys, even though they're not necessarily starting. Yeah. So it has it's been pretty decent for me. Colonel Jesus. Jesus, I think um, Kun for me personally. Yeah, even though, I I, even, even though so. I've got Jesus, I, I think, think so. he's just a more assured of starts. He's more experienced. I think um, Jesus. He um, just that game we didn't even get a shot on target. Just a West shot Brom, at all yeah, just really put week, me off yeah. him. And plus, he's, he's not been playing as many minutes. I feel like the top city assets. You're probably looking at um, Sana. And or can probably Sana's number one if you can afford the 8.9 now. Um, Sana and Kun, and then below that, Sterling, the points per minutes on the field is still absolutely outrageous. And and then uh, I guess beneath that, then you're looking at kind of Jesus. I mean, I think Jesus is a don't buy, don't sell kind of situation for a lot of people. If you if you can afford Lukaku or something, like that, I'm doing it, but I wouldn't necessarily say so. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I think probably you were looking at Sana, Kun, and then maybe Sterling if things get rotate if rotation begins to look okay. Well, do you think that's all right? Yeah, that's fair enough. Cool. All right, let's move on to the premium midfielders. So we've got a few questions here. Uh, one from Varun uh, Jabu. Uh, and Ian Wilson on Twitter. Hi, guys. Uh, so, Varen asks, would you be waiting or does he have to come in in terms of Salah? And uh, Jabu asks, is Mane back on the radar? And Ian says, is the 5% for Hazards uh, a differential? Is he worth bringing in? So, so, so It's all very good questions. I think um, Salah is, is a must-own at this point. He looks like a season keeper. He's just been in absolutely fantastic form. He's been like... So, so he's just getting so many shots. He's... he's Fast, he's just he's just a very exciting player. He's, he's exciting to own as well. So I think yeah, I think you do need to bring him in if you don't own him. The, the ownership personally. the ownership is so high now that every goal, every contribution he makes is going to absolutely destroy you if you don't own him. It's a bit like Mares from that other season where it was so cheap that everyone had him, and it's like you know we stopped celebrating Mares goals and assists because like oh you know it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> that's, in the game. The, that's the flip side of a sort of player, isn't it? Because like it was like the Kane captaincy this week. It almost didn't matter that he didn't score because everyone had him captain so it was effectively a zero yeah no one really cared like it was like oh blanked well, I mean everyone cared but we were all, all kind of caring in unison we are like oh yeah I mean everyone suffered it didn't matter too much I think uh, Jabu yeah Mane definitely is back on the radar same price as Salah so if you are chasing points and you're like I just I want to bring this guy in then get Mane in instead and maybe he will be a differential um, to Salah so um, it's a good shout yeah. Hazard as well differential um Quite expensive still, I'm not sure about it. He, he's still. burned you a few times in the past, hasn't he? He, has he, he burns the um, yeah, last couple of seasons. I, I didn't do as well in overall rank because I, hang on to, I hung on to hazards for too long. So you have to watch out for him if you do want to take a gamble with him because he does have very poor patches where he doesn't return. Would you ever all. bring him in? I'm tempted. I think last season he was he was such a troll because he always seemed to score in the big games against like tough opposition like Arsenal and oh. then just blank against Burnley. Uh, it's that sort of player, isn't it? Where you kind of think I just I don't want to feel like I did that day, and I guess it kind of puts a barrier in between you and signing that player. It's the same with you saying with Jesus and me. Like it's the same sort of dynamic going on, isn't it? Um, moving on, uh, Chelsea assets, uh, especially Lonzo. So just outside the playoffs on Reddit asks, is Alonso worth holding on to? The fixtures getting better. Well, I think it depends on your team. I, I feel like I've had a lot, of, a lot more fires to fight, so I haven't, I haven't got rid of Alonso. I'm probably keeping him, keeping hold of him. I'm, you know, he's got a couple of clean sheets in a row for me, so quite happy with um, with him in my team. Yep. What about yourself? Are you happy, or are you thinking about getting rid? Well, I mean, I, as you as you mentioned earlier, I have been thinking about getting rid. But the thing is, is that as more people sell, he becomes a bigger differential. And you know, watching him, the, the eye test, he is in the positions that you want him to be in. And as you said earlier, he's getting the shots. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we are going to be looking. He's getting the clean sheets. It looks like in games like last weekend, and he will be getting a goal. Pretty soon. I mean, that is definitely going to happen, right? Yeah, we've talked about Chelsea's fixtures. West Brom, Liverpool, Swansea, Newcastle, West Ham. I think there's potentially goals in there for Alonso. There's definitely clean sheets up and coming. So why not hold on to him? You've already absorbed, you potentially already absorbed a price fall. So, you know, he's now 6.9. And if he he gets a goal or an assist and a clean sheet, he could rise easily again. Because everyone will be on that wagon. Next question is from Matt at Yahoo. Hi, Matt. Um, he's asked us about Ericsson and those uh, Lock on Kun from Reddit. What to do with Ericsson now? 
Um, well, to uh, an assist, the last time he got an assist in game week two, I mean, we, we published an article a little while ago pointing out that actually he does take a lot of shots too. But the thing is, assists are Ericsson's bread and butter. That was what he got last year. I mean, I owned him for a vast tranche of last year. And he wasn't getting that kind of, the basic stuff. I mean, he was the sort of player that in the game that we saw this week against Palace, last year, remember that game against Hull? Um, around Christmas time, where he got he scored and Kane did nothing. Um, I, he was that he was the player who was making the breakthrough. And if he's not managing it now, and because he's dropped back to midfield, and you've got injuries to Wanyama, you've got injuries to Dembele, which are forcing him to play centrally. And you, you said earlier, Dyer's moving back to the defence as well, and because Poch is playing free at the back. Um, I'd be worried about him a little bit, and maybe with the prominence of Salah. And maybe with the prominence of other players as well in the midfield coming through, the, the City boys, for example, I'd be thinking, you know what? Maybe I can leave Ericsson and grab, uh, just keep Kane as my as my Tottenham player. I'm, I'm not necessarily sure if I agree with you completely there. I know obviously they got Arsenal up next, but then they've got a run of West Brom, Leicester, Watford, and Stoke. So that's a very good run up and coming after the Arsenal game. Sure, Ericsson has blanked for a couple of weeks, but you know he has been scoring goals. He does get into positions. He's one of Spurs' most creative players. He's one of their most important players as well. So he's nailed on starter when fit. He's been playing a little bit um, more centrally, but that has been because of injuries. And with the likes of um, Dembele um, getting back to fitness, um, Eric Dyer as well, possibly moving back into the midfield position now um, once uh, Toby Alderweireld's back to fitness as well. And um, Harry Winks, when he's fit as well, Ericsson should be playing more centrally, more forward. And he's always on set pieces. He's on corners. I think he's a very creative outlet for Spurs. As we said, you know, after the Arsenal game, which I'd still be getting Spurs players in for, they've got West Brom, Leicester, Watford, and Stoke. Those are four players that we've got in in light green on our fixture ticker. I think those are kind of you know, the kind of games that you want Ericsson for. So. Yeah, so it's a mixed picture, I think. It depends on the on your own team. Moving on, um, so Saman Natkar, um, Dan Lego Mane, FPL on Twitter, and Jay Free Fidio on Reddit asked us about kind of sub 5.0 defenders. So Cement asked us about who to get rid of Norton for. I share your pain, mate. Uh, Dan asked us a ranking for the top 5.0 defenders. And Jay Fiddy basically asked us, you know, Dan or Daniels. Um, Daniel Daniels, I think you've probably made your decision already, haven't you? I have. I've, I've brought in Daniels. We, I mean, obviously, uh, Scott Dan's been getting a lot of shots on target. He's been rising up that shots on um, target for defenders ladder that I've been looking <laughs> yeah. at. But, uh, you know, he hasn't been converting many of the chances. Crystal Palace are absolutely rubbish at keeping clean sheets, even with Mamadou Sakho back. But um, I just I just can't invest in the Crystal Palace defender right now. Um, I mean, Bournemouth haven't been that much greater defensively, to be honest, this season. But I think their fixture run next five is just fantastic. Huddersfield, Swansea, Burnley, Southampton, Crystal Palace. So I'm um, I'm all over Daniels. Um, the top. I mean the top 5.0 defenders are well, sub 5.0 sub 5.0 so you'd have Daniels at the top do you well think? Um, I don't know I'd probably I might put in Ben Mee before him at the moment if you haven't got a Burnley defender yeah. I, I'm, I'm very happy with Stephen Ward actually but um, I think just the price makes Ben Mee more appealing oh, yeah, right you now can't, you can't buy Ward if uh, I just I'm flabbergasted that people are looking at uh, we said earlier as well it's about your involvement about kind of this kind of availability you're looking at 
the the options. You see Ward's doing well, you bring him in, but I can't see what the point of that is. I mean, you've got to get Ben Mee, really, if you're if you're looking at defence. I think he's, he's got to be your top option yeah, for a 4.5. Yeah, Dan suggested Marino as his second choice, but I don't know how I can get behind that I can much. I can never touch Marino again after two seasons ago when everyone was raving about him. Like, oh, an assist is coming, and a goal is coming. His stats are amazing, dude. Yeah, I think he just kept getting yellow cards. And <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a bit of a nightmare. Uh, Brighton, of course, yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about Duncan, Duffy, and, and Bong, and Bruno, and the other Worms Armageddon characters they have in the <laughs> But, um, yeah, both um, both great assets. I think we mentioned, uh, you know, I think a goal might be coming at one point for one of those guys as well. Um, Chris Hewton seems to have them well trained in the back. Yeah, Brighton's exactly. fixtures are reasonable ish. I mean, they've got Stoke at home next, Manuel away, Crystal Palace at home, Liverpool away. So it's, it's kind of like one good, one bad. So if you can get some sort of like rotation going on there, maybe bring in one of those guys. Uh, perhaps you could rotate with like a Bournemouth defender or you know maybe a Burnley defender but yeah exactly I think that's the case really I mean I think maybe we're to the top five I think for us are probably going to be me top Daniels Duffy then maybe Dan and then the fifth guy um, I maybe suggest Simpson at Leicester I mean he's uh, the short term it's not that great but if you can find someone who rotates with him he's got West Ham on game week 13 and then uh, game weeks 15 and 16 um, they've got Burnley and Newcastle I mean I think that they're the most likely to keep a clean sheet and at 4.5 I think that's pretty decent Claude Puel as well last season was playing quite uh, maybe it was tools at his disposal but quite a defensive game uh, for Southampton so he might be one that I especially I'm looking at as well as my member replacement especially now Lukaku drops yeah now Lukaku's drops I got 4.5 to play with so it could be him who comes into the Duffy who knows I wouldn't recommend Simpson but that's your decision Tom (laughs) (laughs) next question is about triple defence from Big Luke from Reddit. He's asked, is having a triple defence a good idea to help you catch up? No, it's probably my answer there. I feel like you're, you're going to be far too exposed, aren't you? I mean, at the end of the day, your entire defence... It's, it's effective forecasting because I am going to feel... Say I've got, I don't know, a triple Man United defence... I am going to feel in that game like I'm not going to be able to watch TV. I'm not going to be able to do anything. And the moment that the opposition score, which invariably, I mean, you you said the Richarlison stats last week. Like invariably, if I own those three players, you know, fucking Brighton are going to score a goal, aren't they? It'd be um, a fifteen point loss. (laughs) Exactly. You know, like if bonus points involved as well. Imagine that. Um, I I think you're setting yourself up for psychological torture if you do that. And I'd never ever. <laughs> suggest well, doing I mean, that. I think um, Luke Disable, he had a triple Southampton at the beginning of the season. You're sort of working out for him. I think Stephen Toomey, he had it as well, didn't he? Yeah. So there's a few people that. You, he, it, it, you can, it can wing big. I think maybe, you know, yeah, you, you get six points if they all get twos every now and again, and maybe you get 18 every now and again. But I feel like having kind of everything else, having lots of fingers in different pies is always better. Psychologically, at least, maybe like the brass tack shows out after the over the course of the season. Having one player that you, one team that you invest in is good, but who knows? I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. West Ham. I asked you earlier on about Moisey. So Mark Marley's decided to do something and ask us a question. And Lewis Jones, who we mentioned earlier on the Guff Group, asked uh, about this. Um, Will Moyes change West Ham's fortunes and bring their players back to relevance? A Chris Chris Richmond, also on the Guff Group, uh, pivily remarks that they'll get lots of crosses at least. Um, what well, do you yeah, think about maybe, that? 
maybe Antonio, you know, <laughs> yeah. could come back into the picture. He's, he's, I think he had most headed goals in the last couple of seasons. Into the uh, the Antonio um, zone, as Martin Tyler was calling it for a yeah, little while. Yeah, I think Antonio's definitely someone perhaps that could come back into relevance. Yeah, I mean, uh, was it Aaron Cresswell? I think he was his his he was top for crosses at one point amongst uh, amongst fullbacks. I mean, he could be another one. I mean, what what does come to mind is last year Jermaine Defoe relegated Sunderland. No, Chikorito could turn round and actually play quite well under Moyes who knows I mean he's got the players there if you think about Arnautovic you've got Lanzini you've got, you've got Joe Hart as well in goal obviously yeah. with Sunderland it was Jordan Pickford that was one of our Winston, 4.0 Winston, heroes Winston Reid World Cup playing uh, tournament attendee Winston Reid at the back Josie Font he needs Font. to have that England call up Winston Reid doesn't he <laughs> <laughs> so you've got all of these players who if you do meld them into a collective would do quite well I mean they've got Watford away next and then Leicester back to Everton for David Moyes and then they've got Man City and Chelsea you don't want the new players for that so who knows I mean it depends which David Moyes shows up if it's the Everton latter day Sir Alex Ferguson you're going to be the next manager of Manchester United Moyes then maybe yeah. it'll be okay I'm not going to be touching Andy Carroll for a long while um, or how I like to now describe him Mr Elbows leading with his <laughs> elbows again with the weekend <laughs> and then he looks so, so infuriated at the referee that he's been yeah. given a yellow card and it's a foul it's like, so I think stop it... swinging your elbows in people's faces when you go to Exactly. hit the ball uh, so I feel like it might be a watch and wait there um, moving on then yeah next questions from um, Arsenal Wizards on Reddit and Marco it's about Richarlison Arsenal Wizards asked us what is going on with home slash away why does that happen and Marco says is it mad to captain Richarlison versus West Ham next week I don't think it's mad I think it's actually a inter- very interesting differential I don't think there's like an obvious captain peak um, well, this well, week apart from your man Lukaku there, there is it's Lukaku I mean I looked at Richarlison a little bit and it is absolutely ridiculous I mean uh, I think Arsenal Wizard was asking us about why he performs better away than at home and the stats are crazy I mean at home right his XG is 1.0 away it's 3.87 um, minutes per attempt at home it's attempt every 30 minutes away it's uh, every 20 minutes and Per, minutes per chance is created at home it's a chance created every 100 minutes away it's every 53 minutes and he just seems so much better away I mean maybe it is the fact that he you know he doesn't have the pressure of the home crowd I don't know what it is like maybe he likes the adversarial nature of playing in a I mean, in a hot environment who knows I don't, I don't know I know they, they, their fixtures at home have been a lot tougher so I think um, though they played like Stoke Arsenal Manchester City Liverpool and Brighton at home, so I think that that's, that's a very valid point there, Tom. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then finally, Chris Betridge asks, I, "I'm playing Ruben Loftus Cheek next week. Is it mad to be playing him over the next two weeks when they've got Everton and Stoke at home?" I mean, what do you think? I think it depends on the rest of your squads. I think I've got enough squad depth that Loftus Cheek is going to stay on the bench for me. There's no, no one I'd play him over uh, you know like he's only got one assist so far this season he hasn't quite you know hit the billing of the preseason. a lot of people no, he's, he's not extremely the ma- hyped about him being at 4.5 and seeing him as the future of England but you know he's, he's still a young guy he's obviously got a very long career ahead of him and he could be a you know a potential FPL asset of the future and, and a starter in our first team but not, not at this moment in time if he scores in the next two then for sure we'll be t- all talking about him but 
at the moment he's, he's not done enough to enter my first team well I think he's going to enter mine because uh, Richie is away at Man United and I can't I, I can't see Newcastle sorry Newcastle fans him doing anything there um, Loftus-Cheek himself I think it it's more about his price as a 4.5 who is playing and might be able to return something further up the pitch that's going to be nice so remember Capoue last year enabled quite a strong front line so I think it was Lukaku Kane and Aguero wasn't it the, that front three last year this year I mean having Loftus-Cheek and having a 4.5 who you play week in week out could enable you to have uh, Kane Kaku slash Kun and Murata up front and I'm really hoping that Loftus-Cheek does emerge there because it means I can just get rid of Richie and shove in Murata over Vardy yeah I mean he definitely acts as an enabler I think when he's playing with Zaha and Townsend those guys are just not going to pass the Loftus-Cheek so I just can't see those guys they're, de- they're just too selfish as players you know mm-hmm. that Andros Townsend will cut inside and shoot Zaha will dribble around everyone and you know get an attempt on target but he's not going to pass to Ruben Loftus-Cheek who's is standing in space is he no exactly I mean, who knows who who knows right that's everything I think uh, let's move on towards the uh, towards the wrap up the next so changes for next week what are you looking at for your team so Cedric's um, going for Daniels um, getting rid of him straight away avoiding the price drop yep um, and uh, I think Otamendi for Jones but we'll have to wait and see if anything else happens over the uh, international break that changes that Alright, so I'm holding on to my changes until next Friday, um, which will probably be, well, almost definitely be Bellerin going out for me, and then uh, it'll probably be be, uh, Jesus out for Lukaku, and Lukaku will get the armband. It'll be a simultaneous release. Both of those guys, both those transfers done at once. I'm not doing anything now because I'm just so worried about injuries in the international break. Yeah, you can't stop now, can you? No, definitely not, but I'll try my best. I guess you're just addicted to the shindig, aren't you? <laughs> so, um, we are Who Got The Assist. There, There is a theme to every pod, so if you can get the theme, might have just given a big clue out, but, you know, <laughs> tweet us, um, send us an email, send us a Facebook message, and we'll um, give you a shout-out and a gold star. Yep, you can find us uh, online at whogotthis.com. From next week, our website will be amazing. <laughs> we can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. Our lead code is 15381740. And we'll be back in game week 12 to talk about, well, a Lukaku hat trick, I'm sure. Excellent, of course. And I hope this assists you. Thanks, guys. Take care. I'll speak to you then. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.